You know, the Orange Stinger at California Adventure didn't really have a spiel. It just kind of had people telling you to, you know, pull down on the lap bar and put your seatbelt on and lock yourself, enjoy, lock yourself in. And don't worry, you won't. If the, anything breaks down, you won't be flung out into uh, Paradise Bay. That's weird because I was. <laughs> I just lifted my hands up and went, "Woo!" <laughs> did they did they play the flight of the bumblebee while you did that? Was that Oh I no, don't remember. Wasn't that um No that, that was another one, right? Wasn't that like uh the Silly Symphony? The Silly Symphony played the Silly the the, the band concert. Like yeah, the, but the, the band concert short. But then but... they do Flight of the Bumblebee for that one? I don't I don't know actually. I actually don't know. We'll have to look up the ride video for this. Yeah, I think we gotta do that after this recording. <laughs> some some 4K ride through of Because there's always 4K ride throughs of things. Yeah, I, I, I love the I love the 4K ride through of uh uh Journey Through Imagination. <laughs> I love the 4K ride through of the teacups. <laughs> But like in 1969. <laughs> so, welcome to Animusings, everyone. I am your host, Kayla King, and I'm here with my husband, David King. Hello. And uh, we have a guest with us. You heard his voice, not just now, but... And in your mind's eye, you could see his face, clearly. Yeah. Even if you've never seen him before, you can just, <laughs> just picture that exquisite you, face. You can see what I look like through my voice. He, yep. he joined I'm, us on Bambi. He joined He went through us with the Aristocats, and now he's here for James and the Giant Peeps. It's Ben Spiegel, everyone. Woo, 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 woo. A.K.A. David's other husband. <laughs> yeah. Or wife, depending on how you want to look at it. You're 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 like Rochi to me. You're the you're my son's bend. My son's. You're my son. Yes, this is my son's bend. I'm so happy to be here. It's good to have you back, my friend. And we're bringing you on for an Animusings Plus. I, it's funny because we um, James and Giant Peach was like, oh, you know that wouldn't be a. I didn't. I kind of forgot that was done by Disney, and mm. it would actually be a good one to review. So we had no guests, and we we're like, "Oh yeah, Ben told us, hey, if you have a free one, bring me on." <laughs> I'm like, well, "Yeah." Well, we got James and Giant Peach. He's like, "Done." <laughs> not, not to mention, this is, um, I think, the second big stop motion animation. Yes. Stop motion animated feature that uh, Disney helped produce. Yes. So. This is exciting because I really, I really, really like this particular medium of animation. Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan, and someday we might talk about uh, the like Leica's project. Oh, we are absolutely. On, I want to definitely talk about Leica and Shrek. Shrek. And Shrek is not. Stopping. I know, I know, I know. Shrek is unrelated, but I just, I just want you Shrek, to know. Shrek is tangentially related. We'll get into that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I completely derailed that conversation. That's okay. Shrek. No, it's a, Shrek is allowed to derail conversations. <laughs> That's what he does. But yeah, it's kind of like how the Araquan bird. Oh no! <laughs> uh oh. Are we gonna have to start oh, over again? No, no, we're fine. We're fine. It left. It's okay. It took off. It's oh, okay, okay, okay. We're you fine. Just, you, you you have to get used to that every so often. Anytime anybody mentions that thing's name, it just shows up. Puts a big roadblock in the podcast, and then it's off again. What, like Beetlejuice? Yeah, kind of like Beetlejuice, except uh, doesn't except- this one doesn't sing, and this one was not, and this and and this was, and Beetlejuice wasn't in the three. Oh, categories. you said it. That was three times. No. <laughs> hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, please help. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. So how how about we get into the history of this? Let's do this. Um, Doodle dangle. The history is not extensive, by the way. Uh, I mean, first off, you should know that, uh, for those who don't know, James and the Giant Peach, uh, was written by Roald Dahl, um, and, uh, 
Roald Dahl had passed away in 1990, so by the time this mov- uh, movie was being thought of, um, he had already left this earth. <laughs> He'd gone to the great peach in the sky. Well, the, and the funny part is, he, the, Roald Dahl has notoriously known for being picky and about his uh, books being made into movies. Like, he absolutely hated Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Which is unfortunate, because I, I love that movie. Oh, a lot of people do. Particularly Gene Wilder. Big uh, quick question: uh, Do we know how he felt about the the witches? The witches yes, is another one he, I really he did enjoyed. like it, but he hated the ending because um, uh, spoiler alert: the ending is nothing like the book in the witches. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he did work with Disney before this. Uh, mm-hmm. If you recall, he wrote um, the Gremlins, which uh, the, the the never made uh, Disney short. Yeah, he oh. he assisted uh, Walt with that actually. He also really liked the Tim Burton. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate no, Factory? No, 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 no. Roald Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he had been long dead. <laughs> he rose from the grave and said, well done, Tim. And then he went back. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> By the way, I really like The Nightmare Before Christmas. And then Tim said, um, well, that wasn't really... Um, and then I didn't Henry Selleck was like, no, it's okay. And he just walked away. <laughs> so It's fine. I don't need a career of my own. It's fine. <laughs> so the... Um, I, I keep forgetting the fact that this book was written so long ago. This book was uh, published in 1961. Oh, wow. He spent years turning down offers. Like, people were like, can we make it into a movie? He was like, no, no, no. Like, mm. very adamant about... Do not touch this one. Do not touch this one. Uh, so, Henry Selleck really wanted to make this into a movie. <laughs> and luckily... Uh, he actually got the chops to be able to do so after directing Nightmare for Christmas. And luckily, Roald Dahl's daughter, Lucy, was a huge fan of the movie. Hey! Way. So um, she talked to her mom, or uh, Roald Dahl's widow, uh, Felicity, or uh, Lissy as um, she's referred to, uh, uh, and told her, like, no, you should let him, you should talk with him. I think he would do a great job with Dad's book. And, um, I mean, Shown up. she was right. Uh, actually, one of the things uh, Lucy was quoted saying is, Henry didn't just walk in and say, I'm going to do this film the way I want to. He studied my father's work. He asked questions. He looked through my father's files in England. He really worked to get it right. And he did it. It's better than I thought it ever could be. So wow. both Lucy and Lucy were actually very happy with the film. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I to hear that. Um, when the... Uh, the film was released um, on... Roald Dahl, unfortunately, still rolling in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> He's rolling, rolling in his grave. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Bad, bad joke. It's so stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do we think we have you on here? Who else is going to make these kind of jokes? Why, why? It's not me. Well, it is me, usually. <laughs> is it? Kayla's kind of the straight woman in this whole situation. Am so. I? <laughs> I? I mean, the, the, ironically, yes. You're keeping Iron- us on. You're keep- I- ironically, because I'm not straight. So. Hey. Hey. Uh, so the film uh, was released um, in April of 1996, hmm. and uh, the budget for it was about 38 million. Did it make its money back? N- sadly, no. How um, did I know that that was going to be the answer, though? Because like. 
I don't know. It's like I I don't remember seeing it in theaters or anything like I that. I recall so. seeing it in theaters actually. We'll we'll get into our own personal has- histories in a little bit. Okay. Um but uh now this was released in England and in um the US from what I'm seeing in my sources, but according to Box Office Mojo, it's only domestic that's says 28.9 million. Oh. And that's what it claims the budget or the box office was. So uh. but uh apparently critics loved it. They called it like a technical masterpiece and yeah. applauded it for his ima- uh for its animation and creativity. Mm-hmm. Um and it has uh ni- like 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. So um it's this film is we just finished watching it. It's Wow, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess we can talk about our personal histories with it. Um, uh, I don't really have much of one. I remember watching it once, and then I don't think I ever watched it again. And But I but here's the thing. I, I saw trailers for it all the time, and because of that, when I did uh, watch it, a lot of it really did stick with me. I mean, like that's, I think, the, is a testament to the visual style and the way the animation is done in this. There's large bits of this I didn't remember at all. But like the moment certain things came up, like the giant mechanical shark and the, you know, the 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 Arctic area with the shipwrecks, I was like, oh my gosh, and I was t- taken back. And of course, the the smashed car at the end, like there is, I I I, I like this. I I think my personal history of this is this one I hadn't watched in a while, and rewatching it was uh, was an experience. <laughs> I was I was just hearing when you said the the trailer used to like would play all the time for you. I was just imagining like you're going to see movies now. <laughs> James the Giant Peach. It's, it's the ni- one from 96. It's like <laughs> James the Giant Peach trailer you'd see on VHS. <laughs> you're you're like going to see Avengers Endgame. It's like, "Oh, finally, can't wait to see what happens with Cap and, and the gang." Oh, James and the Giant Peach again? <laughs> <laughs> they can't let it go. They need to make that money back. Yeah. So, Kayla, what's what's your history? Oh, God. Okay, so when I was younger, uh, I did own this film, so I had seen it uh, quite a few times. I owned the VHS. And um, there was a point in my preteen years where I was on a Tim Burton kick. Nice. <laughs> and, yes, uh, Tim Burton did produce this film, not surprising. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh, I should look into this more since it's also directed by the same guy who directed Nightmare for Christmas, which I was a totally a fan of at that time. And uh, I knew a lot of the songs from this movie and um, and uh, a lot, actually, a lot of the scenes from it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember these them saying this. I remember a lot of this. Uh, the There's a song in here that stuck with me, uh, and which I think when we get to it, we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's the same song yeah, for me, yeah. I would imagine. I think so, too, yeah. Because we mentioned that during, <laughs> or during the watching of it, we're like, wait... You know this song too? <laughs> yeah, it's the one where it's the one where James introduces himself as James. James. I'm James. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it is not that song. But again, mm. but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I um, I, I I think I was a bigger fan of it as a preteen, and then I just stopped. Like I haven't seen this movie in. I'm going to say about 15 years. Wow. Yeah, wow. so it's been a while. It's been a hot minute. So watching it again as an adult now has changed 
my perception, but we'll get into that. So, again, but what about you? What's your history with it? So, as far as I can remember, I don't think I saw this in theaters when it came out. So, mm-hmm. I did not help with the box of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How dare you? I mean, as a kid, it was, it was your job. It's totally my choice. Uh, and I vaguely remember seeing this on TV maybe once. And there's there's very few elements that stuck with me. It was it was mainly I I remember the animation style, but I didn't really remember any of the scenes. And um, so I think I've seen this before, but I can't be exactly positive because it's been so long. Like I I it's probably been like since the movie came out on VHS or something. Yeah, I think all of us we actually both. Uh, no, all three of us, sorry, actually reacted like, what? At a lot of different moments and got shocked by different scenes. Like, oh yeah, this happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's some of the things that happen in this movie and the logic of the, the characters and stories is, is fascinating. I'm really excited to discuss what the hell we just watched. Yeah, yeah I'm super excited to talk about this movie. So, how are we, how do we get into this? I mean, the, I mean, this the premise is simple. Um, it's about uh, James Henry Trotter is the character's name, but as David will and probably Ben as well will both say, it's it's James James James. So James 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 James. Um. Should we mention right now the reason we reference? Oh no, we'll get when we get to the song. I guess. Yeah, the, okay. we'll explain why. Uh, but James, James, James lives in a he lives in a in a um, forced perspective lighthouse. <laughs> this miniature lighthouse. Either that, or they're very big people. Well, I mean, you get the impression it's off in the distance, but then there's the part where his mom walks out with the birthday cake, uh-huh. and, she, and the lighthouse looks so close to her. I'm like, oh, that's just a forced perspective lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Which adds to the kind of surreal quality of the movie. Like, obviously, this is going to be a very whimsical dream. Like, even in real life, even yeah. in the real life sections, the live action segments, this is a this is a kid's story from a kid's perspective. So yeah. and it's yeah. going to have a lot of magical realism. Yeah, and I, I guess it's worth mentioning if if you haven't seen the movie, the the this whole beginning segment is done all live action and then eventually transfers to uh, stop, motion. stop motion animation, mm-hmm. and then ends all with uh, live action with stop motion crossover s- crossover, which is fascinating, honestly. Yeah, that David is clearly enthralled. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, I was just keep thinking about how long and how long this live action segment is. No. <laughs> okay, so I should let you know the all of the live action scenes were done on uh, sound stages. Mm-hmm. Duh! <laughs> like looking yeah. at, after watching it, you're like, oh, clearly nothing clearly. was shot on anything real in, no. in this movie. Exactly. This, this is a film I must say is more style over substance. Yeah, that's very much. It's a good stylistic film. It's. And because, I mean, it begins with uh, James being happy with his parents living in English country, or not countryside, but like beachside or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to go to New York. They're planning on moving to New York. Or are they the going there? Or they're taking a trip to New York. I don't know if it was a trip or if they were moving there. They just that's where they're going. They're, they're basically like, hey, kid, this is the city of dreams. Anything's possible in New York. And they said didn't say it. Said it. They said it in a very New York accent. <laughs> Well, it starts with the, like literally the first thing we see because the, there's the the narration of the being is like this is James blah 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 and then like the dad sneaks up behind James and like grabs him and was like I gotcha <laughs> exactly like that and then but you know. can we can we just talk for a sec that not even two minutes in we hear 
<laughs> a terrible thing happened. A rhino gobbled up his parents. You're like, wait. A oh. rhino? What? A rhino? And this is not like an imagination thing or like clearly in like in James's mind or anything like that. No, this actually apparently happened yeah. that his parents were gobbled up by a rhino, which I'm assuming like escaped from the zoo or something. Maybe. It gobbled them up in like 35 seconds, according to... According to the narrator, and, and like uh, we we know it's not in his imagination because his his caretakers, who I don't know what their relation is, but they keep referencing it and using it to like make him sad. Yeah, I have a theory about that. This is one of my far fetched David theories. So, yeah, I'm down for this. Okay, uh, but yeah, he ends up because it's a roll doll book. Ends up living with um, Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiker because because. It's Roald Dahl. It's Roald Dahl, and they have to be the most horrible, nasty human beings imaginable, and they are played with great aplomb by these two actresses. Uh, both of them uh, comedians. They've worked together. It's Joanna Lumley and uh, Miriam. I am butchering her name. Mignolis. <laughs> I don't. I know. I'm close enough. Close enough. I'm sorry. I, I I have to say, they 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 did a good job, but these are the most detestable people. Margoyles. I've ever Mark. seen in my life. Yeah, they're awful. Like, this is a little too over-the-top awful. But, but they're over-the-top awful by Roald Dahl standards. That's, Think about that. Yeah. If, this is this is the same woman. Not the same woman. What am I saying? I'm thinking of the whip. I, I, well, I think my mind immediately went to the Trunchable. Mm. Oh, yeah. Think about the Trunchable. You think about... Um, Actually, oh gosh, Matilda's woman, parents are Matilda's awful. parents are awful. There's the... Um, Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, the the uh, the bad kids' parents in um uh in Willy Wonka are terrible. Like, yeah, but they're terrible parents to their own kids, and not like they're not like overbearing. Like we're going to force you into a cellar to eat rats or whatever. Well, which is what the orphanage, the Sophie in the orphanage in the BFG had a really terrible um uh g- what do they call the person who runs an orphanage? The uh, woman who runs an orphanage. Uh, I, Okay, I get what you mean, though, but... Um, governess? I know. Governess. <laughs> I just, I, I, I want to put this out there. I think Roald Dahl hated kids and wanted to see them suffer. Just uh, saying. All right. No, well, Roald... <laughs> okay, good theory. As, as we told you, Roald Dahl um, thought, you know, kids go through scary stuff all the time. And also, oh, Roald Dahl went through a lot of hardship throughout his life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read through his story, you're like, wow, this is sad. Poor guy. Yeah, um... And I mean, he I mean, he fought in World War Two, too, as well. So um, he didn't start writing really until after World War Two. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. so, again, a dark life. And that does affect his writing quite a bit. Um, as one can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but yeah, his when they're when he writes villains, they are over the top villains. <laughs> and <clears throat> they they, uh, of course, like force James to work and clean and c- do stuff. I don't really know what the heck he does. They're just they... forcing him to do stuff for the sake of being evil, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It's like their whole ML. They're like, we're just evil, 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 evil. The, there's absolutely nothing redeemable about these women. They take every opportunity to make, first of all, make this child's life horrible. But then they also, like, according to James, beat him. And uh, they constantly bring up the fact that his parents were killed by rhinos. And, like, they talk and about they, it like it's don't funny. Don't ever run they, away or the rhino will get you. And that's what they use. They say the rhino's going to get you, too. They never caught that rhino. They never caught that rhino. It's just a, a wild, rampaging, people-eating rhino. So, wait, the, was, this rhino was in the English countryside. Apparently. 
I, I don't know. That's the weird part. I'm assuming it escaped from a zoo. Again, it's 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 like weird. Like stuff like this happens in Roald Dahl books. I feel like just fantastical things. But even this seems really well, out I mean, of left field. A rhino came and ate his parents, and that was the. That uh, feels like something that would happen in like you like like uh, so Roald, before Roald's... we were watching the movie. Uh, I I uh, Ben, you said that you thought the style reminded you a lot of a series of unfortunate events. Oh yeah, and that's the kind of thing that would happen in a series of unfortunate events. Oh yeah, in a freak circumstance, the ch- children's caretaker was eaten by a rhino. Oh totally, like, you could hear oh, Lemony yeah. Snicket talk about something like that. Exactly, like, it, it 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 was just interesting because uh, you know it is set up in a similar style, but it like it also. Just doesn't seem to fit with the rest of this story with the, the rhino. I don't understand the rhino. The universe is interesting. Yeah. The universe is very interesting in this movie because there's things that they say claim to make it real life, but then there's moments that you're like, are you sure this isn't just like a figment of James's imagination, even though they're claiming it as real life? Like, there's a lot of weird symbolism that pops up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, do you, do you remember the bit? Uh, and like really early on in the movie, where uh the James helps the little spider, and then like uh you know the the the, the both the aunts come up and like try and kill the spider, and then they all go tumbling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So James fell down the stairs, snapped his neck, and this is his <laughs> Jacob's ladder situation. <laughs> oh no. my goodness gracious! Oh no! <laughs> the peach and that that weird guy and the peach don't appear until after that, right? That's, <laughs> That's true. true. Well, the thing that puts the ma- the real magic into James' life, besides the fact that a rhino ate his parents, is when he rescues the spider. Mm-hmm. First, he sings a song to the spider. Oh, that's, what, what that's a song! My name oh is, God, my name is James, which so, is the which might be one of the most Randy so, Newman songs so, I've heard. In a okay, long time. okay. Before we get, I should let you know, I am. When it comes to Randy Newman's music, there's some of his songs that I really like, but then there's songs I just. God, it's awful. Like, there's some music that's just awful. And this is a, not a good song. The, this song called James is awful. Yeah, Speak for yourself. I'm James. James, James, James. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Randy Newman song because it involves so many parts where he just repeats, uh, you know, a line. Think about, think about this. All of Randy Newman's music. Mm. You know, think the, the Has a repetition. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Um, um, what's another example? When the road gets rough ahead. Oh, oh you, I thought you were just gonna no, 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 no. Think about it. Think about it. You've got a friend in me. Then repeats. You've got a friend in me. A lot of his lyrics tend to repeat themselves. Uh, Casio uh, Dance had that too. Nothing's gonna, gonna stop us. Nothing's gonna stop us. Nothing's gonna stop us. Yeah. And Princess and the Frog is the same thing. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. You gotta dig a little deeper. You gotta dig a little deeper. He is very repetitive. Well, he, 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 he never repeats I love LA though, does he? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Short people, people got, got no reason to live. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> jump the gun on yeah, that one. Uh, because he repeats it like twice before he gets yeah. to the live part. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Short people got no, no reason. reason. Show sure people got no reason. Oh, don't forget my favorite, my favorite Randy Newman song of all time though is Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. <laughs> Space is the place for Star Wars. 
Is this the first movie that we This did? is our first Randy Newman movie. Oh, oh. our on Anime Music Plus even. Oh my gosh. I'm so, so you, excited. You guys you guys hadn't <laughs> done talk about Toy Randy Story? Newman. No, we're uh, we're we're, oh, we're saving Pixar just, for later. Okay. Yeah, fair Pixar enough. we're we're setting aside for later. So uh, I I want to personally say that Randy Newman is is actually one of my favorite artists. <laughs> I, I really like Randy Newman a lot. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't, while while I, I I do impersonate him in the most offensive way possible, I do respect the man. You greatly. do your best Will Sasso impression of <laughs> him doing Randy Newman. Yeah, so I, uh, I I I like his his personal work and I like uh, his soundtrack work, but yeah, the yeah. the the, the, yeah. J- the this James song is definitely not his top yeah. his top stuff. I, I want to I want to say it right now. I don't I don't hate Randy Newman either. I actually do like his songs. It's just funny to pick up the Randy tropes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are Randy tropes, and the Randy tropes is the repetition of choruses and stuff like that. Uh, there, and I mean, this is no exception. Yeah, this there, is no. There's exception. a lot of songs I like by him. Like there's songs I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good song. That's actually a good song. Like I can listen. But then there are songs I'm like, wow, you got really lazy here, didn't you, Randy? <laughs> I actually don't, uh, and I'm that horrible person. I actually don't like You Got a Friend of Me. I think it's an annoying what? song. You get out of here. I know. What are, what are you doing even doing? What are you even doing? Look, guys, it's the time of your life, so live it well. I d- it's the time of your life, so live it well. well. I will say <laughs> here, I like that song uh, too. the score is not bad here. The score for this movie actually isn't bad. There's moments I'm like, oh, that's actually very lovely. And uh, <laughs> the score was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, boy. It lost to Emma. Cool. The Gwyneth Paltrow movie, because it's 1996. Well, she was also nominated for Goop. No, she wasn't. Stop that. She's nominated for Goop Stop right lying. now. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to bring up Goop. That's fine. You can but, bring up Goop. Yeah, um... <laughs> Yeah, James is living horrible life, and, uh... And he's, he sends a little candle with a... Uh, he has a bag of potato chips. That he finds in the garbage. I know. Because his, his aunt... Okay, keep... Important moment. His aunts try to give him fish heads. Yeah, eat. that's in the microwave? Did the, oh, was the that oven. a microwave? The no, no, no uh, the oven. Okay, but it was I mean, on the on like the top like a, like a microwave. Sort of. Well, it was a... It was a, it was a like a toaster oven. Oh okay. <laughs> no! They put fish, fish heads in a toaster oven. Toaster, toasted fish heads. These, ever... these women are awful. Ben, you've never had a toasted fish head. I don't think I have. They're no. pretty good. Are they really? Yeah. So James is just says being... the man who does not like fish in any capacity. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Kayla, help. So, so James is is just a little whiny boy. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. I'm bringing up the fish heads because they're important. They are, they are important they are there important. to try and understanding the symbolic logic of this movie. True. You're absolutely right. So, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so James, uh, yeah, um, finds a spider, uh, sings to it. Sings to it, this horrible song. I'm and then James. The, the next day, that's when the uh, two ants find the spider and they're about to kill it, but James wants to save the spider, so he does. And this leads him to meet um, uh, Pete Postolithwaite. I am butchering his name, but he's a fantastic actor, mm-hmm. like, or was a fantastic actor. He passed away in um, 2011, but I mean, this is the guy who was in Dragonheart, Am- Amistad, and, like, The Town, Inception, like, he's really good actor. Yeah. Like, dang. <laughs> He plays a spooky. He plays a spooky old man who uh, has a creepy eye and he, seems to know a lot about James. Uh, 
actually director Steven Spielberg called him the best actor in the world after working with him really? on The Lost World. Yep. Really? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. That is, that's high praise. The best actor in the world. And like, this guy has worked with some of the best actors ever. Well, yeah. Spielberg said it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, I mean, he did a lot. I, I, it's like one of those things like, gosh, his voice sounds familiar. And then I look at his like list of things he's done. I'm like, wow, this is insane how much he has done. Like, props, man. Um, I, I do like, I, I love the, the performance. I also like the way that the sequence with him is directed. It's very uh, oddball and has like a lot of weird uh, changes in logic of where he, where that character is yeah, placed. Yeah, they the use scene. they use cuts and editing like really effectively. It's not even much. It's like it's like a jump cuts to another part, but suddenly that character is still in the same shot when mm-hmm. he's now leering from behind a wall, or he's reaching out to touch um, to touch James's you know heart, and then suddenly the camera cuts to the the hand, but now it pans back and he's standing behind James, reaching around to poke him where he had poked him through the wall before. Mm-hmm. It's That part is really cool. Yeah, there's some interesting uh, stylistic choices, and you know the performance really helps. Um, Yeah, I I actually liked this scene where he gives he gives him this bag of what was it like alligator tongues or something? Yeah, crocodile tongues. tongues. Crocodile tongues. And there's a whole list of things like it's been boiled with a bunch of other stuff, but that's a rolled doll thing too. Mm -hmm. That that like I'm listening to this song. Yep, rolled doll totally came up with this. Magic is complicated. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, apparently this is going to make his life better. Five seconds later, he drops it. James <laughs> of drops he, it. Of course he, he tripped. Does. It all it all goes into the roots of the peach tree, though, and that's what starts the peach gr- growing because there hadn't been anything else on that tree. So, so the aunts come out to uh, uh, beat poor James <laughs> one more time, and then we never see him beat. I, li- I like he's. There's a point where it was uh, Aunt Spiker uh, says to Sponge, she's like. We should beat you in the answer. I'm like, it's too early. Oh, <laughs> right. Damn. That's right. You're lucky it's too early. That kind of thing. They uh, play off each other really well, yeah, though. Well, I like the moment when they're, like, sunbathing, basically out in the sun together, and they're they're kind of, like, looking at each other in the mirror, and they kind of poke fun at each other. Like, it's, it's fun, even though they're completely detestable human beings, their characters. Like, yeah, I like the, the chemistry between the... The actresses. Though. Well, they well, worked together before too. Yeah, so. my, well, that's obvious. That seems apparent to me. My my personal favorite moment with, with them was when they're they're trying to kill the spider, and they fall down the stairs, and then one woman hits the the other one with like the fly swatter. Yeah, yeah. and she's like, "You hit me! <laughs> you <laughs> hit my face! Really not? Yeah, you hit yeah. my face! Hit my face! <laughs> I thought that was funny. That was funny. Um, I like that bit. Uh, but yeah, it leads to the titular peach to be. <laughs> Become giant. Yep. It's... And now uh, Ant Spiker and Aunt Sponge are like, oh, we can make money from this. Oh, totally. Also, they do have one semi-redeeming moment in this, in this, at this part. That when the peach starts growing and getting really big, they tell James to get down and get out of the way. As it's growing, like, uh, no. <laughs> so it's because they they were they were originally trying to get him to go up and grab the peach. Yeah. So that shows at least one small semblance of humanity that they didn't want the peach to crush the, this kid. Yeah, they yeah. also don't want to crush the person who does all their chores. That's yeah, true. that's true. They would. That's why. That's they... purely self interest. Sure. And let's not forget they. I mean, I'm skipping ahead, but at the end of the movie, they went through a lot to go for, like, 
get him. And yeah. You know, roll roll doll villains will do that a lot. If so, they they can continue to be lazy, nasty scabs of human <laughs> beings. If only they would put the same effort to be lazy as they were into <laughs> things that actually matter. It'd be great. It takes effort to be lazy, though. Ex- exactly. Roll doll villains. <laughs> uh, so they they start charging people to come see the peach. It's the world's biggest peach, and. I love how nasty they are, even to their customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's actually one uh, part where they, I think they charge uh, they charge a, uh, a pastor or a vicar who comes through extra, mm-hmm. and he just nonchalantly as he goes, he goes, "May God forgive you." <laughs> <laughs> well, so I like, sure as hell won't. I, I like the uh, the little girl who's like, "Can I touch the peach?" And it's like, "Oh, pretty soon you'll want to eat it. Your your <laughs> entry is revoked, they so they rip, rip it the up, ticket. and uh, sh- they don't even refund her her money. They just make her go away." Yeah. It's 1949. There's no commission that anybody can go to. I guess not. No, not in England anyway. <laughs> no, guess not. Um, and uh, James, uh, weirdly, I feel like uh, they put him in this outfit because it's the outfit that um, they were able to match with the puppet. Mm. Um, so he had he could have a outfit. But again, it's like, oh, you look all nice. He's like, I want you to look nice for the children. Oh, <laughs> which is like, kind of cute, but. I feel like that sometimes they play him a little too young. Yeah. A little bit. Like, that's a very, that sounds a little too young to be like, I want to go play with the children. And I'm like, aren't you like 12? How old are you? I think he's a lot younger. I think he's supposed to be like either seven or eight. Mm. I mean, in the book, he was like eight or nine, like that, like the typical. He didn't strike, yeah, that's how he struck me in the movie too. He struck me as being like a, like a, just in single digits. So. I thought he was older, but. Well, what's interesting is it's a fine line to play when, when you have, uh, child actors in a movie, especially when you're, they're your star. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately the, the, this kid fell too far on the line of like playing it too, like over the top cutesy and, uh, and innocent, and it just like it, it kind of dragged it down a little bit. I can't blame him too much because Roald Dahl tends to do that to his main characters. Mm-hmm. Like Charlie is a very goody two shoes character. Oh sure, and so is James in the book too. Like, Absolutely, but uh, uh, comparing the, the 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 performance of Charlie to this kid in James and the Giant Peach, I find Charlie a lot more endearing, at least in the the. Well, um, the 1970s version of the movie. Right. The, the, with the 1970s, so, um, there's a reason why Roald Dahl hated the movie. It's because, uh, they actually humanized Charlie more. Like, yes, mm-hmm. he was a good kid, but he made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then if you read the book, he's like, no, he's a goody true shoe that does nothing wrong. Because, <laughs> so no, he really, really does Mary Sue character? He was or? a, well, I mean, in his mind, I guess that, it's a children's book and it needs to be shown what's good, what's bad. Mm-hmm. Very, those books did tend to be pretty moralistic, weren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they absolutely were. Very, uh, I mean, look at, look at what, I mean, again, we're going back to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, but, like, you know, look at the vices, what takes out all the kids, their vices. Mm -hmm. One is gluttony, one is gluttony, one is, you know, I guess gum chewing is a vice, one is a brat, one is addicted to television, like, these all kids all meet terrible ends because of their vices. Mm-hmm. So, um, just so you know, they actually, uh, auditioned 500 boys Jesus. for this role and, uh, picked Paul Terry. Uh, apparently he hasn't done anything other than this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this was just his child. Yeah. movie. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't think he was horrendous or anything. I thought no. he did pretty good. Yeah. I just think that 
uh, you know, partially uh, maybe because of uh, his age and the, the the way that they were trying to create this story that uh, maybe it just came off a, a, a it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, he 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 also uh, did that that like little kid thing where he like mispronounce mispronounces words in certain ways, yeah, which I know is also had, a condition. But I know sometimes he has trouble with his owls. Yeah. 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 So he, but he like, uh, uh, like several times throughout the movie calls them his friends. Yeah. Well, which is, which is cute, but also like too cute. Yeah. I that actually, makes sense. I actually knew someone, like I have a family friend who had that problem growing up as a kid. He mm-hmm. actually did say, uh, R's instead of W's. No, oh, interesting. Uh, that was just a tick of his. Eventually he did grow out of it. Like mm-hmm. as he became an adult, he did grow out of it, but. Um, so it's hard for me to fault it that much. Yeah. When it, when not everybody, not everybody has that opportunity too. It's like, that is a, that is a, a speech, that is like a speech tick that does stick with some people too. Yeah. You know? I, so. but at the same time, I think they added that yes to make him sound more cutesy. I don't think yeah. they did that to be like, oh yeah, this guy has a tick, like something like that. a speech impediment it, or something. I don't think they meant it as a speech impediment. They absolutely meant it to be, let's see, make him cutesy, make him more likable and all that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think. <laughs> it's all good. I think when we, cause we're going to get into the, um, part where it gets into stop motion. And I think we all agreed like, wow, the movie is suddenly better when it gets into stop motion world. <laughs> and I think as an actor, he becomes better when he's voicing for stop motion, or at least his character seems better. Yeah. In stop motion. I think the reason why is his, as a stop motion character, he suddenly becomes more resourceful mm-hmm. and uh, he's actually doing something mm-hmm. rather than kind of like, oh. like Kind of putzing around the he, set. He's very passive <laughs> as a human. He just accidentally wandered on the set and they're just like, oh, just keep filming, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he's very passive when he's a human. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing is that a, a lot of the movie isn't really any of his choices. They, it, when he, he gets to the, when it gets to the animated segment and he starts actually doing active things, those are his choices. But in order to start the journey, nothing really happened that was his doing. Right. He didn't realize that when he went out and, you know, ate the peach the part of the peach that he ripped off to eat, mm-hmm. that it had the little, like, magic, the one remaining crocodile tongue mm-hmm. embedded in it, and that's what turned him into an animated character. Yeah. Well, there, it did, or going into the peach turned him into an animated character. It did hint very well that he wasn't fed mm. that much, or, like, um, the only food they offered him was fish heads, and actually he had to eat out of the garbage, like, chips out of the garbage. So it would make sense, like, okay, I gotta eat this peach. I am so hungry right now. Mm. Yeah. And this peach is able to self-repair itself because he he eats a bit of the peach and then like this hole opens up so he climbs inside and the peach like closes itself <laughs> yeah. up. And that's an important detail because later they need to eat the peach yeah. to survive. Yeah. And that peach is is just self I guess it must have go pretty slowly because that does contradict one thing that does happen at the very end of the movie, but we can talk about that. Well, yeah, it could be like a Wolverine situation. It's a magic peach, but it's only, but you have to, if you don't conserve it, it will, you, you will, it will lose its regenerative abilities. Yeah, well, if that only, peach goes through a lot. If only that peach had been reinforced with adamantium. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, James goes into the peach and we meet. 
the bugs who are also transformed by magic into and giant bugs. And they're talking about it too when when they when they come in. They're like, mm. "Oh, you're like a six foot tall grasshopper." Right. I feel like it just happened to them. Like all of this kind of just happened to them, and James is just like ten minutes behind them, basically. Yeah. What's interesting too is when what is all that stuff inside the peach with them? Like, did they all bring it into the peach with them? Because there's a proper little hollow within the peach. I don't even know if you see the peach pit. You know, I wonder if they, like, as bugs, they crawled into this peach and just started eating their way and then <clears> got <throat> bigger and bigger. Unless they're in the pit. Like, when they're in, like, that's oh. the hollowed out part. That's the interior of the peach pit. Could be. Okay. It's, 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 it's hard to say. Yeah, it's a little bit surreal in there because there's, like, all these random items and stuff mm-hmm. in there. There's like, like James that, falls through a banner, and there's like a, a cage that's like a sundial. There's a sundial. There's a pipe oh, well, that like the spider well, lives actually, in. Well, actually, you know, if all this stuff is in there, they might have been there for a while. Then, when they have- well, relatively speaking, yeah, they've probably been in the peach, or they moved. They probably got into the peach while it was still on display, and then like maybe they took a bunch of stuff in there with them mm. that also grew. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, we have the we have our. Our cast of uh, of characters that get introduced, all in spooky oogie boogie style, like oh, almost yeah. like backlit and glowing and, and eyes, glowing eyes and teeth, and that reminded me very much of how you first see oogie boogie. And this like this sequence is great. I love the way it looks. Yeah, oh, yeah. they're they're so, horrifying until the lights come up. So the characters, um, these uh, um, these bugs were. It took two years to make them by a team of 130 people. Jeez. And there's like wow. 180 puppets for like characters all together that were made. Whoa. Yeah. They, it, a lot went into this and they had to be like trying to fit. They studied like insects and figure out, okay, how can we make this look a little realistic? Like a real centipede would a hundred arms basically. And they can't exactly do that. So they're like, uh, uh, how can we make this look like he have, he has a lot of arms without making it look like he has. A hundred. Mm-hmm. So well, when they settled down to about like ten or fifteen, it, yeah. it still looks pretty damn good. It does. It really does. So, um, it, uh, it, it, I think the best part of this movie is the animation. Yeah, is the yeah. stop motion. This it's, is where I sat up and got more interested in the movie. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> as soon as he's, and also we it's get when our- the PCP kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you like that lasagna. <laughs> I feel great. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever tried sugar or PCP? <laughs> uh, this is when we get our first song, or no, no, our first decent song. Sorry, I should be clear. Yeah, this is the second song in the movie, right? Yes, yeah. it is. It's the uh, um, that's the life for me, which it that's I think the Bugs's I want song. Yeah. But it actually makes sense and sounds good and actually has a beat to it mm-hmm. and decent lyrics, so... Right. You know, I want to say right now, it's, it's fun because they have a really good cast of bug characters. You got the spider, you got the earthworm, you got the glowworm, the centipede, the grasshopper, mm-hmm. and the, the ladybug. And the cast is mwah, fantastic. Yeah. Like, it's kind of insane, the cast they got. Richard Dreyfus plays the centipede. Oh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Susan Sarandon plays the spider, and then we got some, uh, uh, some British, uh, peeps for, uh, the other bugs, and this includes, um, uh, David Thwillis as the earthworm, who you may know as Remus Lupin from the Harry Potter movies. He was my favorite character. Mine too, so I'm like, yes! Also kind of the main villain of Dragonheart, sort of. Oh, was he really? Really? Yeah, so Oh! He was a younger, a younger... 
than oh. a younger him, but you know. Um, and then uh, Simon Cowell as that. the grasshopper, and Jane leaves as the ladybug. Daphne and- herself from uh, Frasier. Oh my gosh! And weirdly enough, um, Miriam uh, Margoyles, I, I looked her up, up her name. Uh, the woman who plays Aunt Sponge does the voice of the glowworm. Oh, yeah. Um, now in the book, they were all there. Um, but there was also a silkworm. Mm. But I, I assume she was taken out because that's a lot of bugs. That's a lot of bugs. That's six. A lot six of is bugs. a lot of bugs for yeah, a supporting and I, cast. And I think it's like, um, each one actually has their own character for the most part. Like you can actually say, oh yeah, centipede. He's um. Uh, Brooklyn guy that's got attitude and has no problem picking a fight. Uh, Grasshopper is a classy guy. Like they, you can identify their personality. They're very, they're very, they're very tropey. But that's not a bad thing. Where, how did how did this centipede from book Brooklyn get there? <laughs> Good question. He's somewhere in he's somewhere in England, and he was a normal centipede before this. So he maybe he got on a ship and rode across the ocean and ended up in this uh, seaside town. How long do centipedes live? <laughs> I want I want to know the as facts. As long as they have. Legs. <laughs> <laughs> There's like centuries old centipedes. <laughs> That's a horrifying thought. Um, my favorite, my favorite of the bugs. Honestly, it's hard, hard for me. I, I like the spider and I like the earthworm. They're probably my two favorites. Yeah, personally. the earthworm is awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, that's James gets to know these characters, and then, uh, oh no, Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spike are like, where's that boy? He's been playing, let's, let's not forget, the reason he's out there right now is because they said, you can play in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he came down and was like, I wanted to look nice for the children. It's like, oh, well, you can play with their garbage, and then they give them a little spiker to get the garbage. Oh, did she take a broom, like a steak out of a broom to give him? Yeah, they did. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so uh, they're inside the peach. The uh, these aunties come out and is like, James, you're having too much fun collecting garbage. Get back in here. <laughs> they're, and they're worried they're gonna spray them with like pesticide or something. Some, oh yeah, the oh, bugs yeah. actually bug spray. All the bugs know Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiker and are afraid of them because they are known to have bug spray. And we've seen we saw in the beginning they actually did have bug spray. This movie is very pro bug. <laughs> they tried to murder the the spider when she was still just a little spider. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. And I mean, have, have all of you killed a spider? I try not to kill spiders. I haven't. Yes, I have. I have uh, killed spiders, spiders, but I try. But now I'm in a place where I'm, I'm no longer fear spiders. And every time I see a spider, I either leave it alone or I try to move it somewhere safe where it's not going to bother anyone. So you don't, that, that 12 gauge over there is not for shooting spiders? No, that's for shooting centipedes. <laughs> <laughs> You're pro spider, anti centipede. The centipede actually got on my nerves a little bit at first, but he grew on me as the movie progressed. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think centipede. he got it on everyone's nerves in the movie for a little bit, and then he then people liked him. Yeah, that's true. So I, I think that was part of that that character's journey. But I, I totally get where you're coming. from. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I liked a lot of the other bugs uh, more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he grew on me. So it's all it, it's a good cast. And yeah, they do their they get their song gets interrupted by the ants, and that's when. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how. Centipede comes out to and decides, you know what, we're getting out of here, and then snips the because uh, the peach has been stuck to the tree this whole time, and he cuts the the stem, the stem that's connecting it to the tree, mm-hmm. and the peach starts to roll. In the book. In the book. It, now I remember this because Roldala really wanted to make sure that you knew this. Um, the peach does kill. Uh, the, the ants. Yay! That's not the case in the movie. Aww. I was so ready. I was waiting for it. 
but instead they they climb into their 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 old jalopy or whatever yeah. this is, and the the peach starts rolling down the hill and like they can't get the car started, so the peach just rolls over and crushes this car. No living thing would have survived <laughs> this uh, insane uh. amount of force coming down on this hunk of metal. But they they pop out of the car and they're like, oh, what the hell. <laughs> it's exactly what they said. Did they die in excruciating detail in the book too? I don't think it not excruciating detail. It's just rolled all one into you to know they died and we will not see them ever again in this book. They still have more of a role to play in this one, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so the peach is, is rolling down the hill. It, uh, uh, there's this um, rooster sitting on a fence. Yeah. <laughs> like completely destroyed. By the peach. I was about to say molested by the peach, but I, that's <laughs> not the appropriate phrasing, I guess. No. So yeah, the, the, the peach rolls down, destroys this rooster, and catches this fence, which creates this kind of cool, like, uh, what's it, like a, a bridge or stairway around yeah. the outside. Yeah. That was a cool, that, that's a cool bit. That's actually from the book as well, which mm-hmm. I really dig that they kept that. Yeah. Um, you know what I think? I, I was trying to figure out why the rooster didn't fly away, and I think when it saw the, the, the this orange thing coming over the horizon, it thought it was It was the sun. sun. Oh, that's... So it starts crowing like, ah, I gotta do my thing! And then the See, sun yeah. rolls over it. That, it. It fooled me for half a second, too. I was like, oh, the sun's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's because Ben is a rooster. Yeah, and he got really bad for. I was rooster. born in the year of the cock. Just saying. Oh, I'm a I'm a dragon. I'm a snake. Wow, <laughs> we're, we're we should all be mortal enemies. Yeah, <laughs> we should be, but we're not. Uh, this when uh, we're on mic, off mic. Yeah, <laughs> that's when the feathers it. fly. Oh, that's when the scales flash and the. That's when the skin sheds. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's how the skin sheds. Snake, uh, rattle, and roll. <laughs> so, uh, they're in the ocean. Uh, Who, according actually, to the centipede, is the biggest ocean in, in the world, is the, the, big, the Atlantic. The, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The, centip- the centipede's kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 yeah, go ahead. I didn't want to say this, because this is about, this is now where we're in pure animation land. Mm-hmm. And, my goodness, the way the water looks is great. And I love, there's little minute details that I really dig. Like, you could see the peach fuzz on the peach. Yes! Yeah. Which I, I adore that. Yeah. Like, it's, and they're animating all of this, and it's so good. And the character animation, like, the oh, way yeah. that everybody moves is they're, very specific The animation, how they move is very fluid, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's quite a difference between how they move in this movie versus how they were moving in Nightmare for Christmas. Like, with Nightmare for Christmas, there's kind of, they kind of move slowly, and there's a bit of a, like, you, you can tell it's not, it's great, like, the animation in it is great, but it's, you can tell it's, like, not quite there, and then with this, you're like, wow, that, they just ramped it up. Yeah, this is like a step up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so many, so many interesting, uh, once it gets into animation, there's so many interesting sequences and choices. I, I, that, this is when the movie really starts for me. Right. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and then this leads to, hey, where should we go? And then James is like, oh, look, I have my parents' travel book that they gave me about talking about going to New York. It's the magic one, though, because the ants tore it up. Oh, yeah. That's but then me. the magic man pointed to his chest. And when he's like, he said I would find it right here. And then he reaches and he realizes in his pocket where the man pointed, he thought he was pointing at his heart. He pulls out a map of New uh, that leads to New York, and it shows the peach with a dotted line behind it. <laughs> and the map constantly updates throughout their journey, which is really first, cool. First GPS. Yeah. Yep. 
Why, why weren't they Global using... Peach System. Why weren't they using that? <laughs> no! Oh my goodness. Global Peach System. You're welcome. Why weren't they using that as often? Like, you'd think that would be an... Wait, why did they need the compass? Yeah, they, they well, had that. They had a map! They needed the compass because... Well, I mean, they, it's one thing to have a map, but when you're on open water, you don't... Yep. Yeah, but they had a map that had showed go, them where the peach was. Yeah, they just had to go due like, west? Because it's like, they, if they move, like, a certain way, it's like, oh, okay, clearly we're going this way, let's move it this it's way. Not a, it's, a, it's a caricature map, it's not a terribly accurate map, because, like, as <laughs> you notice, when they get turned around, it shows the dotted line having looped up and then back, but it doesn't show the map looping all the way up to the Arctic Circle, which is where they end up, you know? No, it does show it eventually. It does, like, when... No, you see the loop, but the loop doesn't go all the way up to, like... Yeah, it does. It does? Yeah, it shows that they went to the Arctic, and then they looped back. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to let you two do this podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm going to hang out with Gracie back here. <laughs> no, it, the, that, that's kind of a confusing thing is because the, the um, you know, I, I, I would understand if the, the map didn't have the live update feature that most modern <laughs> GPS has. But, but it does. It, it does. It reveals that it does later on in the movie. Just, <laughs> But yeah, they all decided, let's go to New York City. It has everything we could want. The grasshopper can enjoy the um go going to see the opera or uh museum high art and culture he gets to see high art and culture there's nightclubs for miss spider there's uh central park for ladybug and just dirt for earthworm like that's all he wants i mean it's fair he's a simple man yeah there's subways (laughs) uh also so uh, is th- this is the point where that the the our our metal shark shows up? No, right? no, 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 because they're like first okay. they're trying to, first they're trying to get the seagulls, right? Yeah, the idea is they're trying to catch seagulls to help lift them out. I thought they were capturing the seagulls because the shark they, no, showed up. No, 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 they caught the one. Remember, they caught uh, one, and okay. then it's like because you're think they thought to themselves, it's like oh we'll catch one one at a time. Yeah, because they decide the, sh- the best way to go is to fly, right? Yes, yeah. and then it, all of a sudden the shark they realize oh there's a shark we gotta catch. <laughs> All of them at once. <laughs> and not just any shark. A giant metal shark with, uh, what's it, a rotis- r- rotating Rotate. teeth? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is clearly a, a metal shark. This is a robotic shark, and it's goal- It's making fish heads, by the way. I, liked, I love that, that moment where I'm like, what is this thing doing here? It eats all the tuna, and out of the top of it just spew plates of perfectly even fish heads. And I'm like, Which, those are exactly the ones that the yeah. ants gave him. And I'm like, this is where I started to think, how much of this is like allegory? Like this is but, a lot of this is in his head. It's but it's played be. for real, though. That's no, the... it is. But this is where, where we're clearly in. This is this world is being influenced by the magic that is going on with James now. Because, I guess. So I think it's there's some feedback. I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't. It doesn't have to make sense. It's fun and whimsy and allegory. It's it's I, very I, but... fun and whimsical, but it's also super. Like it, it's very confusing. You can't take it too literally. But I think the. The fact that it spits out the plates of fish heads is is definitely I, meant I, to be something telling to the audience. I, but I, I have to disagree with this. Yes, it's a fun, whimsical child movie, but the point is this is made real. This isn't something in his head. This is actually appearing in the world around him. And um, his dreams are being made real, though, because remember at the end of the movie, he talks about how everything here started as a dream, but then it became real. So yeah, I his, thought I thought that speech was. Bad as well. I thought that was a, oh yeah because no, he's is, like maybe maybe it started as a dream, dude. You're dreaming about fantasy stuff. 
the, when people dream about like buildings and stuff, this is actually stuff that's helpful to the world. But the, but the crocodile the, you're tongue. Saying, you're saying a six foot tall grasshopper wouldn't be helpful to the world? <laughs> <laughs> but he, but here, come to think of it, though, the the magic man gave him the ability to make his dreams real, even if they were kind of absurd. So hey, <laughs> that also comes with the fact that. He's also being pursued through a bunch of the movie by a cloud rhino. It, it's yeah, my goodness. <laughs> like he that cl- apparently he is his number one fear is of a rhino that ate his parents, and he's afraid that rhino is going to come after him. Which I'd be pretty traumatized by that too. Makes no logical. Do sense. Do you think he actually saw the rhino eat his parents? <laughs> Like he witnessed it, or was it just someone told him his parents were eaten by a rhino and it stuck with him? For this all you know, his parents are fine. We this sits on my this this uh, this constitutes my theory still, the one oh. I have yet to, to 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 bring up. Yeah, I'm so theory. excited to hear what okay. I know. I want to know the theory as well. I'll I'll get to it. We have to wait till the end though. Okay. 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 So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. We don't know if James actually saw them. His parents get eaten by the rhino. Okay. We, uh, it's still a Jacob's Ladder, as far as we, as far as we know. <laughs> I, that, that would explain it, too. Yeah, that's it, this whole thing feels... Like, again, yes, it would, if it was more whimsical, it makes sense, but it's almost like his subconscious or, like, symbolism of his, like, fears are coming across in this whimsical world. It's like, but why? Like, that makes no sense. It, this is Yeah, because all of the other characters see it. Yeah, they're yeah. they're real. Yeah, like, I'm saying the magic. The mag- my thought is the magic just plays off his his dreams and subconscious and makes them real. You it, know. It, so in his wildest fantasy, he wanted a giant peach to crush his aunts and then hang out with a bunch of large yeah. insects. And then, yeah, and then a mechanical shark appears and it, it embodies one of his fears because it's spitting out the fish heads. Mm. It's something he mm. detests and hates. It's this predatory thing coming for him. And now it's not just an allegory; it's a real thing in the real world. The allegory is now real, and it's coming to—it's coming to kill him. So, look, okay, we could—I mean, we could debate that forever, but that's just—that's what's just what I think. That's what I think is going on. But the action scenes are really well done, yes. here, and it looks good. Like everything looks good, and I'm actually like, oh, please. Get through this. This mechanical shark is so cool, though. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that it's got design. like it can launch harpoons and yeah. little mini sharks. Yeah, yeah. Well, like the the chomp, way that the, the serrated chomp. edges of the of the the harpoon like pop out of the uh, out of like the the centerpiece is amazing, and then it, like sticks right into the peach. Yeah, that part was great. So mm. yeah, it was it was it was a fun sequence, and you know they 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 end up getting away and flying off with uh as according to James was a hundred seagulls. You think that would be enough to carry that size peach? Yeah, in a in a magical, <laughs> in a magical situation. I'm only gonna question actually, the reality actually, of this movie. Actually, um, hold on. Uh, in the book, <laughs> in a Jacob's ladder. <laughs> Even in a Jacob's ladder, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in the book, they actually do have a specific number. Really? If I recall, it's 501. Oh. But let me confirm that really. That one. James. That, James. The last seagull is Jonathan Livingston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, James. Yeah, uh, 501 seagulls to make that peach uh, lift up in the air. I'm assuming they could only animate 100, which is why James says there were 100 seagulls at the end of this movie. Oh, he says that? I, I'm almost positive oh, okay. he said it, it, there was 100. Okay, I don't. I didn't really remember him giving a specific number, but I'll trust you on that one because, like, As you I just should. saw an indeterminate large number of seagulls that he that the spider is able to throw spider silk around, and they 
the, the part that makes me uncomfortable is all the seagulls have the have it almost like uh, lasso style around their mm-hmm. necks, and like those birds are not. Yeah, well, again, it's it's real. It's a it's realish. It's realish. <laughs> uh, but I, I love the the way that they attract the seagulls is by hurling the the, the earthworm around in the ah! air with a cowbell that somehow appeared in this peach magic. <laughs> Yeah, but like, so, so then after a while of them flying, uh, uh, the centipede starts looking at Can everybody. Can you imagine how the Richard Dreyfus centipede almost gets eaten by the giant shark? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we actually get to see the inside. And the spider almost kills him. Like she doesn't knowingly do it, although she clearly is not like she was not a fan of him. Yeah. But she doesn't know that he's he's on this uh, wire that attaches the harpoon to the shark. So she's just smashing. Was that was that a hammer that she was using? Something like, I can't remember. Yeah, she threw something, but she also pushes the spear. Yeah, she grabbed like a hammer and hit the the spear point back. There's out. so many useful objects in this peach. Yeah, there is. It's there just- are. It definitely was made to be lived in. Like, there's no doubt about it. Sure. Um, Life's the pits when you're in the peach. <laughs> oh, my God. So. <laughs> but, yeah, so they, they 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 escape the shark, and then they're flying for a bit. And uh, the centipede, uh, who I guess is uh, volunteers as their navigator, starts looking at everybody and, like, seeing food. It's a cartoon, the ca- classic cartoon thing. Yeah, yeah where that... they just turn into different. And, and, and all of us were like, you're on a peach. You're on a peach. <laughs> You're on a peach. Luckily, luckily, James is with us. Hey, everybody, we're on a peach. And this is his first useful moment as a character. By the way, <laughs> I forgot to mention. So it was... No, he roped the seagulls. He thought about roping the seagulls. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. That was... All right. So that, that was, was that was his too. first useful moment. That the second was, moment. This was, is his second moment. His second resourceful moment. Actually, I forgot to mention, uh, Henry Selleck was originally going to have him as a live action actor the whole time. <laughs> oh. oh man, that would have looked weird. But to say back on cost, they realized it'd probably be better just to make him a stop motion um character along with them and it also I I can imagine how that would look in my head and it just would have been so off putting yeah. for the entire movie. Yeah, for the yeah for the whole movie at, at the end when it's combined it's not so bad it's kind of like oh you, you've earned this having gone through you know all this to see having the, been an animated character what a horrible experience that was <laughs> what a horrible night to have an animated curse <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so they're like oh what are we gonna do we're we're gonna starve to death and James is like you, you guys eat the peach. And then we get our next musical number about I, eating the peach. I don't remember a single lyric from this. I no. cannot even begin to tell you how the rem- song goes. I remember the sequence. I just don't remember what they were singing. I, yeah, same. I, I can't. Like, it just, the whole thing is just, so, I, I can't remember it at all. So the centipede climbs down the ladder and somehow changes into a chef's outfit. Because he had that on hand. I feel like there's a lot of things on hand in this piece. Like, yeah, this, <laughs> this is a very. I know, piece. I know. This is animation logic, but like when it's mixed with oh, the also, real world, also, it like really makes me question what's yeah, happening. That's, it's still a magic peach, though. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is a magic. Peach. I don't know. What, I can accept magic peach. I just can't accept like the rest of the world um, being uh, showing off. Uh, James is subconscious for some weird reason. Uh, anyway. But then why then is there a shipwreck where the bow of the ship is is the Earth's two aunts? I don't understand why that is. I really don't. It baffles yeah, me. Uh, 
Wait, what baffles you? So, um, I, I mentioned, like, why does the world seem to constantly show his subconscious? I don't oh, understand yeah. that. It- and, like, there's a point, like, after they eat the peach and they're, mm-hmm. um, and this leads them into the Arctic and, uh. Well, before, before the Arctic, though, the, there's that awesome sequence where, um, so the, the, the spider lady, like, tucks him into oh, bed, right? Wasn't, yeah, yeah, wasn't that? Yeah, that yeah, was- yeah. So, um. I think, uh, if I recall, that's actually one of the uh, longest shots in the film. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, it took each... That one took, like, three weeks to make. Yeah. Um, Of the the tucking him into bed? Yeah. Tucking him into his web bed. Yeah. Yeah. His his insanely terrifying web bed, might, might I add. Could you imagine being tucked in by, like, a gigantic spider... It, Onto a web, uh, yeah, which is, is sticky. <laughs> that is a bit frightening. Although the one thing, okay, with this, um, she keeps mentioning like, no, I'm meant to be feared. Every they, I do not know what it's like to be loved. I'm like, no, you totally do. You've been hanging out with this crew. You're communicating. You're. I don't know a why. A lot of people seem to give her kind of a. I mean, I guess the impression is they're supposed to be giving her kind of a wide berth. It doesn't seem like they do that, but I don't James, see that. James, I get, but I like the moment between her and Jesus because James was one of the first people, according to her, that showed her kindness. See, mm-hmm. I, I like that part. With the part up from like her, him saying, "You're the spider at my window," mm-hmm. and then them communicating. That's a very sweet, lovely moment. Yeah. The part before that, where she's like, "No, I'm a lonely creature." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, I get it because you're a spider, but then. That's not clearly the case here in this story. So why are you saying this? So, and it has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. So I mean, I guess she didn't like being objectified by a, a six foot centipede. She's <laughs> she is she is. I think she's kind of stereotyped as someone who eats other bugs by yeah. the other bugs. Mm-hmm. She and also she also has like six leather or eight leather boots that were like custom made for her. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty nice boots. They, well, they are. All pretty- have, they all came with outfits, and I'm just going to assume Magic of the Peach. Magic of the Peach. Magic of the Peach. Magic of the Peach. Magic and, of the peach. and they're also able to find other outfits as the, the, the centipede finds a Magic of outfit. the Peach. <laughs> magic of the Peach. Fair enough. Well, again, magic, the, the whole, the whole pseudo, pseudo reality that they're in right now is magical because they also don't drown in the ocean. Yeah. Yay. So, yeah. Wait. Wait, we're okay. So he does fall asleep. Remember, there's that trippy dream. The dream sequence. Oh my gosh, this was so cool. That is actually a really well animated part. It's not. uh, I think that's. um, That is not a stop motion. If I, I think it's a. It's another form of animation, but. uh, Well, it's it's definitely like two dimensional, but it has like this weird almost. It it kind of reminded me of like Terry Gilliam's animation. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say it was like very Terry Gilliam. Style. Yeah. No. And uh, he, it's basically he dreams that he is a um, uh, caterpillar? A, caterpillar, a caterpillar. Yeah. And uh, eating a peach until his uh, ants come and is like. They're literally made out of sponges and spikes. Yeah, that was funny. Actually, that's a really uh, that was a good touch. Um, and then they uh, try to put bug spray on him, but that turns into the rhino because again. Can't get rid of the rhino. Can't get rid of that rhino. It's still his fear. I I wish there was. Keep, a, remember that. That's that's another sim, that's another symbolic thing. That the fact that his ants conjure a thing that makes the rhino. He's putting it out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm re- I'm really interested to hear what your theory is on this because I wish there was more literal 
meaning to this rhino because it, it just and it ends up confusing me more than than anything else in this movie. <laughs> I feel like, you know, why rhino? <laughs> I, if I recall, I think I thought that was just like a quirk from the book, just like he his parents were eating my rhinos. I I don't think it was that like. Hammered in, he's so afraid of rhinos. I, I can't, but it's been a while. It's <laughs> been a very long time. I mean, it's just such a big plot point because it killed its, his parents. Yeah. So. It's this crazy, scary lightning rhino. Yeah. Oh, man. that uh, Regardless of what you think about like the the story element of be, being there, it looks awesome. It does. It does look good. It. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Sorry, he, go ahead. Yeah, so he wakes up to being cold and we realize that the... The peach has drifted off course. It has ended up in the Arctic, and the Arctic is full of shipwrecks, of ships from all kinds of different eras, including a submarine. Yeah. This, se- this sequence is one of my favorites. Mine it too. It looks awesome. It's so great. You see all these wrecks, and I, and they actually you get the one bit of Disney swear going on in this movie, which oh. is when the grasshopper calls the centipede an ass. Yeah, we, we actually <laughs> rewound it just so we could see it again. You, sir, are an ass. Yeah, so that, is this is this the first time that there's been a swear in a Disney movie? Or uh, like- no, they they've. Uh, I'm going back into my head because I know like there there were a couple of swears in the previous Disney films. If I recall, never never big ones, but you know, mm-hmm. like but, is is Ash the harshest one that there's been so far? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say Ash is that harsh because in the context, what he's saying is. There's when he says it properly, you saw an ass, he's saying, you saw a jackass. Mm-hmm. And jackass came up a lot oh, in Pinocchio. Oh, yeah, they say... Uh, you, they're about, saying, you're a donkey. Yeah, they, right. it's kind of... Yeah, actually, they used ass quite a bit in uh, in Pinocchio. Remember, uh, Lampwick at one point says, what do I look like? like a a jackass, jackass. And immediately uh, turns into a... Fair enough. And that, oh my, and that, they actually still use that line in Disneyland. If you go on Pinocchio's Daring, Daring Journey, you'll hear the coachman actually say at one point, like, They'll eventually make jackasses out of themselves. Yeah, well, I, I really like that part in uh, Snow White's Scary Journey where, uh, you know, I think it's uh, Dopey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, like, looks at you and goes like, oh, my God. Look, I, which is interesting. <laughs> so the word ass was brought up quite a bit in uh, the book. Um, and I remember this because, again, I read it when I was a kid and... As a kid, I was like, oh, all swear words are bad, because I was that type of kid. Naughty uh, grasshopper. And it kind of just shocked me reading that, like, mm-hmm. especially in a kid's book. It right. shocked me now, watching it as an adult man. <laughs> and it, I, think it, I think it's surprising in this one, because, like, for us, when we were watching Pinocchio, we're like, okay, it's the 1940s, where this is like, this is 1996. Mm-hmm. They got away with it, though. Yeah. Again, con- context is everything with stuff like the, that. This is also rated PG. This is yeah. a PG yeah. rated film. With, they should have gotten an R for that. <laughs> The, um, well, I mean, like, it, it's weird because, like, you know, if you've read, if you, you've read, uh, Wind in the Willows, right? The original yes. Wind in the Willows? Yes, I did. How many, there's a lot of times in that book where, um, Toad's like, well, I owe myself an ass. I'm sorry. You know, like, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. well, the, the, the thing, the interesting thing for me, I think, is that, uh, in the 80s and the 90s, I feel like kids' movies were a lot heavier and a lot, had a lot more swearing than kids' movies now or before did. 80s, yes. 90s, not so much. I think no, 90s, 90s is where it started, kind of started to down coast mm. toward, uh, toward uh, being more PC, I guess. Yes. Yeah. 
Or at least I, I think they like swear several times in the Goonies, right? Like, yeah. They oh, say, yeah. They swear a, quite a bit in the Goonies. Yeah. I wouldn't almost wouldn't call the Goonies a. Well, it is, but no, it's Goonies completely is a, kid a kids movie. movie. They find a bone piano built by pirates underneath Oregon. I know, and it's so freaking great. It's, I love that. Yeah. Movie. No, me too. It's the but best it, kids movie. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the movie is great and whimsical, hey, but yeah, it has a lot of swearing. Actually, there. hey Ben, is that? Yeah. Do you think that's the reason you and I really like this sequence? Because it's got shipwrecks and they go underwater and there's like a bunch of undead pirates, oh, skeleton yeah. pirates yes. on oh, a sunken yeah. ship. It's so great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, I mean, this specifically plays to stuff that we like. Yeah. But also, I just think it's a, it's a cool looking sequence and it's played really well. But the 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 whole reason for this sequence is because uh, the centipede the 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 centipede was supposed to be driving them to. Uh, uh, New, New York. Because he claims he knows he's been everywhere. But evidently he, he only lived in between the pages of a National Geographic. And that's how he <laughs> even vaguely knows the things that he knows. <laughs> and then he, so he lied and all the bugs are angry at him and don't like, want. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, or they, they don't want to speak to him, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're really pissed at him. And then they start talking about, oh, if only we had a compass. And and uh, the, they're like, yeah, you could go to one of those ships, but you'd have to be an absolute moron to want to jump down there and. And centipede the- does it. Of course, <laughs> I'm that moron. And this is the part where this this like really redeems his character to me because yeah. he, he was an ass before. Like he, he was. Yeah. You know, they, I. It, it's really funny because in a lot of these movies they try and make that type of character a lot more a lot more likable but uh, like he really does play off like an ass well, and then right here you're like man I'm on his side now th- this is actually set up very well though too like there he messes up there's a good reason why he messed up and he realizes okay I'm in a situation that it's just me and these other people and we need to be on the same page and it's like well if this is the only way to do it yeah. Gotta do it. So So he dives down beneath the ice. And immediately yeah. freezes to death. No. <laughs> no, no one no one is remotely affected by the the um the Arctic Ocean. No. And when they're oh, and then of course after he jumps in, uh the spider and James go down there to to help out. Yeah. They 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 dive in after him. And for does some the, does the glowworm go too? I don't remember. No, no it's just uh just the spider and it's James. Just, it's just the spider and James. Right. Uh because even though in real life it'd be so dark and frozen they would <laughs> immediately this, die. This is a stylized film. This is such a style. Yeah, yeah. I mean I love I love this sequence. Again, yeah. I I'm just <laughs> And the captain, of course, is, well, basically Jack Skellington. He even um, calls him a Skellington. I feel, oh, look, a Skellington. I think it's the same heads. From what my research has shown me, it's the same uh, heads that were used for Jack Skellington. Like That's so cool. Uh, I mean, it's it's also a good way to save money. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make another model. Cap- captain Jack Skellington. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But like so, he he try he finds the compass, takes it, and then the uh, the Jack Skellington pirate comes to life and starts attacking him, and he's got a whole pirate crew. One of which is that Kayla noticed. I said, "There's Donald Duck," and you're like, "Where? Where? What?" And yeah, one of the um, his crew actually looks exactly like Donald Duck, like like even to the hat. Like a, he's got a hat made out of bones that looks like Donald Duck's it, it's hat. It's a skeleton Donald Duck. It's That's amazing. And even when they hit it, it makes a yeah, you know. Makes a duck the it's a Donald duck noise. It's Donald. It's it's the it's the frozen remains of Donald Duck. Oh my god! Having reanimated and as, as an evil ghost pirate. When when he died in 1948. <laughs> <laughs> 
because this movie takes place in 1949, so yes. chronologically, Donald Duck is dead. You know what I actually like, too, is on that same weird logic is like the whole crew of skeletons are different sailors and different aquatic like folks from different eras. There's like, there's someone who looks like a whaler with a parka and there's like someone with like, um, there's like a Viking on the skeleton Viking on the crew as well. Like it's a great action sequence is like, uh, there's a point like they're stretching him out. Um, and he's like, uh, uh, you can actually hear his back crack. He's like, ooh, that actually felt pretty good. And I'm like, that's for all the parents in this movie, in this theater right now. Yeah. So they're about to chop him in half. And then uh, James and, and uh, Miss Spider show up and uh, are able to help save him at the last minute. And then this centipede, like, kicks ass. He does. He starts fighting all of them. Yeah. And it's amazing. <laughs> Um, there's a moment, like, cause they, uh, Spider and, uh, James are able to escape, but, uh, Centipede is still below, and, uh, there's a, there's a moment where they think, oh no, he's, Centipede has died, I'm like, really, we're gonna do this? Because his hat hat floats up, which obviously means he died. That's always what that means in movies. Remember in Robin Hood? It's like his hat bobs to the surface and then goes back down and like oh he's he's dead. At Norm- least it, this was a quick though. Normally like, that moment yeah. works if they they could if you knew that character couldn't breathe underwater for like you know. Yeah. So it, it it's just kind of it's a weird way to play it, but it's very quickly done. It's yes. very it's it, it only lasts like two seconds and then all of a sudden his appearance is actually kind of cool because there oh, was yeah. a point where you see. Uh, like a captain's hat and a skeleton holding uh, a skeleton's hand holding a sword, and you realize it's the centipede holding, holding the it system. up. And yeah, so he he's now been promoted to the role of admiral centipede. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> and so they all forgive each other. They're back on the peach, and the spider uh, kisses him. Yeah, the spider kisses him. Um, so I guess she's forgiven him for objectifying her earlier in the movie. <laughs> um. There's a so there's a moment where like yeah, grasshopper comes and relieves centipede from oh. his duties. This is a very lovely moment. Like uh, you got the grasshopper who's like sitting there and he's playing his violin, and James is walking up the peach, kind of just listening, and it's it's just a beautiful quiet moment. And then they talk like. Uh, I wish they would have shown this earlier because there's a point James says that, oh, I used to hear that music before I go to sleep. I'm like, we never saw that, but yeah. okay, sure. And if it, they would have, if they did show that, that would have been great. Sure. Uh, but it's like, um, it makes me. So is this Grasshopper's dad? <laughs> sure. Dadhopper. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, they're just kind of talking about like, um, he's like, he plays music that, that shows his feelings. And then, um, uh, and then this, reminds uh james of his parents and then that kind of leads to the whole well you got us now and and the best song in this movie it really is the best song of this movie Um, oh yeah this is actually so for the most part with the other three songs uh two suck one is okay this is actually a really good song though it's a banger i listen to this i like before we before we watch this movie i listened to this song like just you know Whenever I felt like listening to it, Same. like on my own time, um, I what's really funny is so. Uh, do you remember uh, a few years back we did a Disney trivia? Yes, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And so 
one of the parts of the trivia was that they played small sections of of music, mm-hmm. and uh, you had to like you know fill in what the name of the yeah. song was and who it was written by or, or something like that. And uh, this was one of the songs that played, and this is what like revitalized my interest in that song. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I actually got that one because I was like, nope, that's a we're family, and yeah, because I didn't even know what movie it was from, and like you were yep. like, no, that's for that's from James the Giant Peach. And the reason I know that is because um, when I worked at Walt Disney World, um, there's a point they were like, hey, we have a grab bag of stuff, feel free to take whatever, mm-hmm. and there was a. Uh, CD of Disney songs. Nice. Because the rest of it was just junk. And I was like, okay, well, that looks interesting. And Weir Family was on that. Yeah. And it was, I was like, oh, this is better than I remember it. And it is a lovely song. I wish it didn't have weird stuff in the background. <laughs> there, there is a lot of strange stuff happening in this sequence. I like, like the weird stuff in the background. But why is it there? Because it reinforces my idea that the world is, is this is a magical pseudo space that james is in but why this is supposed to be happening to him in real time why is this happening that makes no sense why this stuff would be happening a lot of stuff doesn't make sense though so so there's like like, ghosts and stuff and like giant tops floating around and then they're like in space apparently the peach is part of a mobile i i don't get it i really don't get it it's fine It, it didn't bother me it was just kind of the idea that like I don't know. I, I gave me the impression that like th- this is why this is why I'm so comfortable saying like this is just th- this is the the whimsy wonder of a child being uh, in real time being referenced by the world. But then this is again it's a musical number, so we can't we can kind of lift it out of that a little bit. Yeah. And all the objects were things that were kind of important. I got the impression that a lot of the objects were kind of important to James because there was the cricket candle mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. his cake that went by at one point, his birthday yeah. cake. Yeah. Um. And that was, you know, that was important to him. Maybe these were things he had from when he was, you know, living in a loving family. We don't know this. We, I don't know. We, 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 the only thing that shows this is this uh, cricket. The rest of the stuff is just makes no sense. Okay. Well, uh, it, it is interesting to think about because the, um, I was, I was just immediately flashed on the, you know, the, 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 the I, I'm, uh, want to, I can't wait to be king sequence in the yeah, Lion yeah, King. Yeah. With like, there's a lot of. St- logistical stuff that do not make sense in that sequence. Yeah. But it, I you know, you don't really think about it when you're watching it. But with this one with this sequence, it just seemed really apparent that it was it's okay. it felt off place to me. Yeah, okay. same. So okay. I, I don't I don't know if it's because of the animation style or the way the world was set up. It's the the it felt a little bit off, but it's also maybe I just was in the wrong headspace <laughs> for that musical sequence. I you know, and, that, and that's fine. It didn't. It didn't bother me. That's just my. That's my perspective on it. It didn't bother me. It didn't distract me personally. Mm-hmm. But if it did, I mean, if you found it that way, like I can, I could see that too. But for me personally, it, it wasn't. Uh, it didn't strike me as that off-putting. I so. did think it was a little bit weird when Shrek's face appeared <laughs> in the darkness. That, just, nope, 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 never happened. I'm not going to... Wait, you didn't see that? Nope. It flew by and it said, Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey, come to us, Jeffrey. <laughs> At that point, Jeffrey had already quit. Yeah, so. Je- Jeffrey Katzenberg has now left the building. Um, Yay! Oh my God, David just jumped out the window. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, you, I, if you're I still this- covered in glass. You're bleeding all over the carpet. Oh, oh, that's really bad. So the PCP is still hasn't worn off. <laughs> yeah, yet. I'm still waiting for it to kick in. Uh, so <laughs> uh, is this when they're like, "Oh, we've made it to New York"? Yeah, they made it to New York. 
But there's a rhino now. <laughs> Sky rhino. It's back. Sky no. James has to face his fears. James has to face the rhino he's been running from his whole life. So yeah, so the the, the clouds part. They 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 see New York City, and the the rhino like shows up behind them, and they're they're like, oh no, what do we do? And he's like, don't worry, I'll handle it myself. And so he just starts shouting at the rhino. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. This I'm is, not afraid of you. This is very Alice. This is a very Alice in Wonderland thing. You know, like the the TV special where she's yelling at the jobber, Jabberwocky, like I don't believe in you. <laughs> That kind of thing. Just when a kid is like, I'm facing their fears, and it's just like, I won't let you control me. I'm not afraid of you. Because again, this lends credence to me personally that he's never actually seen the rhino that ate his parents. He's only heard about it, so it's grown into this like horrible manifestation in his mind. He doesn't even know what a rhino looks like. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't even matter at that point because the rhino just is like, nope, electricity. Lightning strikes and cuts the yeah, it yeah cuts the wires on the uh, on the on the seagulls and so all of his friends end up flying away and James is impaled by the Empire State Building and a peach falls on top of them. <laughs> the end. No. Wait a minute, hold on. No, but all right. So what you, about but ultimately, what you're saying though is that James failed. So all that stuff about facing your feels, it failed because the light, <laughs> lightning still struck them. <laughs> <and> <laughs> So this movie teaches you is if you face your fears, you'll get struck by lightning by a cloud rhino. <laughs> oh my god. No, but and all your f- bug friends will fly into the sky <laughs> and you will end up impaled at the Empire State Building. Jeez. Well, no, so here's the thing logistically about that sequence. So he falls off of the peach, right? And you see his friends fly away on, on the seagulls, and the peach is falling down after after James. Yeah. Um, so like he falls. And then, like, you just hear, like, you're like, ah, and like... It cuts to black. Boom! Like, a loud smash. Like, James should be dead. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually what happens, and it's weird because it's like, it cuts to black, and you're like, wow. The end. (laughs) (laughs) So remember, kids, no, I mean, even regardless of the fact that the next scene you see, he's okay, and he's, like, lying inside the peach. Like, he must have fallen into it at some point. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, was he inside the peach when... I, I think, think he, he fell into, into the, the peach. peach. Yeah. Well, it's a magical peach, so I imagine, yeah. like, it, like, kind of, like, opened up and... and took or he the... happened to but... fall through the top hole of the peach yeah. that's always there. I mean, but... that could be. But I mean, like, the the thing, the, but the important thing is, he didn't really succeed in stopping the rhino, did he? He said he wasn't afraid of it. And then it zapped him. Yeah. <laughs> so it what? proved that it wasn't an idle fear. It came out and it destroyed, attacked his... This, I mean, rhinos are dangerous. So is, he was trying to negotiate with a, with a wild animal. This is confusing. Anyway. Never, so, I, what, you can never argue with a rhino. They'll always get their point across. So in the end. <laughs> James becomes human Thank again. Thank you for joining us on the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> James so he, he coughs again. up that little like glowy bug made out of alligator tongue. Or crocodile, uh, or crocodile tongue. tongue. And that leads him to become human again, like live action. Yeah. And he crawls out of the peach and he's like, huh, this is a weird soundstage. I think it's New York. And it, it's like, but where's the Empire State Building? Because the whole time it's been building up, it's like the Empire State Building has been like the one thing he wants to see. And it's been the symbol of New York. Yeah, it's the only thing that exists in New York. He's on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> the peach has landed right on top of the... Which is actually in itself a very fun image. That's oh, very, sure. And, of course, I love the fact people um, of New York are kind of reacting to this as like, 
What is going on? Why is there a fruit on top of a Empire State Building? And a lot of people get slimed by the goop from the peach. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, not Stay Puffed again. Oh, and also the, that police officer has no idea what a peach is. Apparently. Some kind of big fruit. Yeah, but the funny part is he's like, you're telling me this thing is a peach? I'm like, that's what you're confused by? Yeah. I, you've never seen a peach that big before? Yeah. <laughs> so so he calls in some backup, has a crane come in, and they lift uh, James and the giant peach uh, off of the uh, Empire State Building and bring him down to the ground. They're like, oh, it's okay, kid. You'll be fine. We're can the I, New can York I say police. That the New York cop, he does never name, but New York cop is like, probably my favorite character. <laughs> he's so he's my second favorite next to the earthworm. Yeah. <laughs> He's, there's something fun about him. I like that he's he's a consistent thing. Sure. And then the ants show up. Yeah, in their car that so, is shaped so, like a rhino. Yeah, by the way, the peach has been, like, they've already taken the peach off along with James, and um, they're now down on the ground, and every, like, all of New York is going wild. All the press is like, what's going on? What's going And then they split, like, the red tide, and this, there's an adventure that the ants went on that we have no idea about. Check out uh, James and the Giant Peach one and a half to find out what happened to the aunts. But like Sponge and Spiker, they, they're driving. Their their smash car is still barely driving, and it looks like it's waterlogged. And then they open the cars, and like the sea floods out, and we're like, did they like drive their car through the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah, and like they have like uh, you know like seaweed and stuff in their teeth. One of them pulls a crab off of them. Oh, yeah. and, and But also, the thing that I noticed was the car was, like, kind of vaguely rhino-shaped and was spitting the steam yeah. out the center of it. it. Yeah. that I think that was intentional. All right. I'm ready to talk about my theory. Ooh, All right. Go for it. He's ready? got a theory. Y'all ready for this? Okay. All right. Now, this is, a, this is assuming. This is, this is a wild tangent. You don't have to take anything I say concretely, but I have a fun theory. What if... Okay. James has been told, or at least... According to, we, we know that James thinks his parents were eaten by a rhino. Yes. We don't know. And, and, but we've only ever heard that said by other people, really. That, and, and his aunts are constantly using it as a threat. That rhino is still out there. How do we know that? And the, the, the car was what gave me the, the final idea for this. What if James's parents were hit by the aunt's car and died? Oh. And then the aunt's, Wanting to like cover their tracks, constantly told James that his parents were eaten by a rhino. Oh, <laughs> and then so and it every... built up in his mind really huge to be this monster. And every but really, time what he's... happened was the aunts killed his parents. Not, I don't think it was intentional, or maybe it was. I don't know. It's a real doll story. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it, a lot of times when he's ta- attacked in this movie, it's by like these metal machinery objects. Yeah. That have some connection to his aunts. Yeah. Well, his aunts are the source of all the troubles in his life. Yeah. Yes. But he doesn't have a lot of interaction with machinery, which is interesting. Yeah. So I mean that, like I said, it's and and keep keep in mind there's also that bit where they blow out the um the the bug the the cloud of like bug toxic spray. bug spray and it turns into the rhino in that his, came from them in his dream yeah in his dream yeah, yeah that came from them I'm not saying I'm not saying this is anything intentioned or not I'm choosing to read into it that the aunts might have been responsible for the parents' death maybe with their car and uh in order to like not in order to like sugarcoat it or maybe not even sugarcoat it maybe as, as a tool to kind of keep james in line like oh they were eaten by a rhino you know that kind of thing yeah. and because he just accepts it as whole cloth what happened now he's got this fear of this rhino this mm. great spectral rhino 
mm. that exists when really it was their fault. And that continues to make them the source of every problem in James' life. Yeah. So that's my far-fetched theory. I, what do you think? I, I like it. I'm going <laughs> to say that this is canon and that there's no way that you're wrong about this. It doesn't matter it, it, ultimately, but it really doesn't. But I like, I do like that idea. That that would, because I think, yeah, the whole eating a rhino eating them. It's like what, why, how? That that's, does feel like something. You maybe tell that's a kid. why they're such jerks, is because they feel so guilty about killing his. Parents. I don't think they feel guilty at all. I think they just like, oh, well, we got to cover this up, and uh, we get. I guess we can use this kid to encourage our laziness i mean we drove across the atlantic ocean so just so we could have our slaves that so. car is magic it can kill parents and drive across the ocean <laughs> and it could turn into a spectral rhino <laughs> <laughs> and a submarine that shoots <laughs> maybe the aunts were in the submarine but they were originally in the car in the submarine not, not the submarine the uh the giant metal shark yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then that blew up and then their car hit the ocean floor and they had to start <laughs> This is that. This is this is all happening like like like, J, like Ben said in James and the Giant Peach one, one and, and a half. half. <laughs> you see it all from their perspective, and you hate them the entire time. Yep. I mean, wh- who wouldn't want to watch that movie? But James like tells him off in front of everybody in New York. Um, but like they they say that he's lying, and of yeah. course, as we all know, adults only believe. Uh, other adults. New York well, cop, except York, for well, New York cop is kind of standing there, like, huh. Yeah. This is weird. And the only thing that he confirms, which makes sense, he's like, she's like, no, that's our peach. And they do provide a picture of them in front of the giant peach. And they're like, yeah, it's their peach based yeah. on this picture. And, like, And then they say uh, uh, James is a pathological liar. But he doesn't even believe it. He's just like, huh. Yeah. He's but still kind of like, huh. I think, I think one of my favorite moments in the movie that He's still happens. shocked it's a peach right <laughs> now. <laughs> But but one of my favorite moments happens here is like so the James is trying to tell them like what 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 a- actually happened yeah and so there's this just one there's this hobo who's covered in fog who's like let the boy speak and you're like and it's it's uh this the wizard guy clearly from earlier oh was that the yeah that was supposed it's a magic to be hobo. oh a, my god it's a magic hobo he's a magic hobo yeah. <laughs> he somehow teleported also. If he could get from there to there, why did he just teleport James there in the first what place? He's been orchestrating all this. I mean, he he's the shark. Things. He was the <laughs> shark. He was the he. He manifested the skeleton crew. He, well, as, yeah. as we find out, he is the narrator of the story. Yes. Yeah. So he did make it all happen, and he made it all happen so we could hear the story. Yeah. Um, it's like it's not it's not good unless it's real. <laughs> but like his speech is kind of like one of those like because he's telling like oh we traveled they, we flew here using seagulls and there were I was surrounded by six foot bugs. And everyone's and, like oh, okay kid. Yeah, and he's like he's just makes him up from his dreams and he's like well maybe I did dream it but then oh. all these other stuff started as dreams. I'm like New York City was a dream. I'm like first off kid, you're equating two things that are completely freaking different like. Wow, I mean, you're talking about like something that sounds like a crazy fantasy story versus, you know, let's uh, let's create this giant building like as right. a 
He, he is You're crazy. You'll never make it. Go back to your grasshopper dreams, kid. <laughs> he is a child. Yes. And all this stuff really did happen to him. Yes. To, to, yeah, so. to be fair, he's completely validated in his beliefs, <laughs> which but, is insane. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's proven true because it's like, surprise, the um, bugs are here and there's a- They all float down out of the sky. Yeah, they all float down from the sky. Every, all of New York is like, this is the weirdest night we've ever had. <laughs> and then they all become famous. And they later, well, later on, New York eventually will deal with the state. No, actually, no, they dealt, dealt with the State Puff Marshmallow Man before this. Actually, yeah, no, the State Puff Marshmallow Man was the weirdest thing they dealt with. This, are, this in, is in all of New. What, what about the time the Statue of Liberty walked? Oh my God, that was weird on New Year's too. Eve. That was yeah. This is the third weirdest thing they have dealt with. This was technically the first because this is forty nine. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah never they, mind. The State Puff didn't show up until eighty four. Yes. And then New Year's Eve eighty nine was when. Uh, the Statue of Liberty walked the Ghostbusters over to the museum so they could fight an evil painting of a Carpathian. That's another podcast altogether, yes. I'm sure. Listen, Vigo the Carpathian has one of my favorite quotes of all time. Which is? Uh, uh, Death is but a doorway. Time is but a window. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> this movie needed Vigo the Carpathian, just saying. James versus Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> oh and God. he's joined by the Ghostbusters. Um, okay, okay. The Ghostbusters float down from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, the the bugs show up. They they uh, uh, wrap up the both the aunts in like spider web and then like have the crane take them away. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, there that was a weird moment. He's like, James is actually telling the bugs, "Hey, catch them, tie them up into like mummies with your with your web." Tighter! Tighter! Like, Tighter! Whoa! Why? Kill them! <laughs> Pretty sure James I saw is... one of their eyeballs explode out of their skull. James is kind of malicious here. Jeez. But, I mean, to I be mean, fair, <laughs> there's probably a lot of trauma wrapped up in the fact that these, yeah. these abusive uh, relatives have been attacking him his whole life. That's and, true. You know? Oh, yeah, there's a point where they were gonna, they grab, like, axes from the... Oh, yeah, they did try right. to kill him with an axe! And the police are about to, like, swoop in and get them when the bugs show up. Yeah, and then the bugs show up, they save they save the day, and then the weirdest part happens, so, like, a a after the, the crane takes them away, a giant rhino shows up, <laughs> freaking kills everyone. <laughs> rhino shows up with a cigar and goes, I'm the one who killed your parents! <laughs> It was me. It was me. I've been watching from the shadows this whole David time. was wrong. There was no <laughs> allegory. It actually was just a rhino. So, uh, but here's a funny funny part. A kid asks, can we eat the peach? And, he, and James is like, go ahead. And then we're all thinking, do you realize that thing has been through, like, ocean water and has, like, tumbled through, like, dirt and gross stuff? There's and a dead rooster still stuck to it. <laughs> And it's like been through ice. That's flavor. Those are, that was all seasoning to the peach. Mm. Um, but it was eaten down to the pulp, which is now James's house. Which, the, 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 the pit. The pit, not the, the pulp. Pit. Sorry. Down to the pit, which is now James's house. <clears throat> yeah. And. In Central Park, right? In Central Park. A pit in Central Park? Wasn't like. Uh, what's it? <laughs> the 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 uh, Charles Nelson Riley in that? <laughs> Hello, I'm King Gork. <laughs> a pit and sent. That that we're, we're we're gonna have to talk about a troll. That's the sad no, part. No, no. When we get to Don Bluth, we're gonna have to talk about a troll in Central Park. And I'm locking it in right now. <laughs> All right, Ben, you can come join us for a troll. In I Central just want to talk about Charles Nelson Riley for 45 <laughs> minutes. 
So, so what happens? What, what, how do so we wrap this movie up? I, we get a way too close up of Peter uh, Paul Stoyth. <laughs> like, weirdly too close up. He gets really up all up in the, the camera. camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he, like, it's, that's the point where it's revealed that he's the, he's been the narrator of the story and is like, oh, and you can dream too as well. And your allegory, and your allegory subconscious will become real life metal sharks that spit fish heads. I mean, I, no thanks, man. Okay, so, and then this ends with a bad Randy Newman song. Whoa, I liked it, actually. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It, it, you know, I'm not saying it's his best song, but I liked it better than a lot of the other songs in the movie. Yeah. It's probably the third or second best song. Sure, I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. But also, d- did anybody get, like, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory vibes at the end? Because uh, uh, do you remember the t- in the Tim Burton adaption, they end up building the house inside of the factory and the, oh, his whole family moves yeah, in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That. So, it, right. it, 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 like, this came first, obviously. Yeah. So uh-huh. the, the, other, the other one might have influenced. Uh, I mean, the, Tim Burton did produce this film. Yeah, that's so, true. And then Tim Burton directed the new Charlie yeah. and Chocolate Factory, so. Yeah. So I, th- I, th- I felt that a little bit, and then we get all like these newspaper headlines as the Randy Newman song plays about yeah. how all the all these like giant insects are famous now. Yeah, that was that was actually kind of nice. That was cute. That, yeah. I, I I didn't mind that. That was cute. Um, I would visit the Spiders Nightclub. Same. I uh, the movie itself um, is beautifully animated. Oh um, yeah, and there's actually Gorgeous. a lot of good moments in this. I just think the story is. A little weak mm. and i feel like this could have been punched up more i feel like he was trying to do something with the allegory i just think it didn't hit the mark for me mm-hmm. um i still i mean i still enjoy it but there's it's a uh, it like i enjoyed nightmare for christmas a lot more than i enjoyed this film i would say but it's still it's still good i like it's not great it's still just good for me so mm. um what about you guys <laughs> i yeah, I kind of echo your sentiments there. I think that despite, even with my bizarre head cannons for a lot of things in here, I think the thing that, that holds up the best is the whole, everything past the live action points, the animation is, is absolutely superb. Yes. Um, it actually, um, surpasses a lot of stop motion animation I've seen, even more recent stuff, mm-hmm. come to think of it, in terms of how much attention to detail and just little things are in there. Like, I'm still shocked how good it looks. Yeah. And, it's gorgeous. Um, and, like, it, it it's fun to watch. It's visually appealing. And, yeah, I think the story is... The story is a simple story. And it is... I You said earlier, style over substance. I'll agree with you there. But that doesn't mean it's not worth watching. It's definitely worth watching, I'd say. Yeah, I... Um... I, I agree with pr- uh, pretty much everything you guys said. I... Um... I think the, the the live action segment at the at the beginning of the movie it drags a little bit, mm-hmm. and then once it gets into the animation, it's it's just really livens up. It's it's a lot of fun, uh, just beautifully put together. Um, and the the ending live action sequence is is fine because then it brings brings everything together at the end, mm-hmm. uh, and it's also not too long. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I I really enjoyed the movie. I, <laughs> I I I love all the bizarre choices. I I I really appreciate movies that will stick with strong choices. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, I really enjoyed my experience watching the movie and I, I, I enjoyed most of the Randy Newman songs. There were, <laughs> there were, there were one, one or two I, like that I was not, I was not a big fan of, but I, I really, I really loved the, uh, uh, the family. Uh, song. yeah. I think actually out of all the songs, like movies that have like songs that are sang, mm-hmm. I think this is the worst. <laughs> this is truly like the worst. I mean, I do like We Are Family, mm-hmm. but... The other three songs are just not that great. <laughs> my, my name is James, James, James. James, yeah. We, we only re- remember the lyrics to two of the songs. And Family is is legitimately great. And then we remember James, James, James because it just... Because <laughs> most it, of it is just... Repetitive. repetitive. My name is James. James, James, James. <laughs> and then the two songs are unforgettable. Are, are forgettable, sorry. They, uh, unforgettable. Unforgettably forgettable. Yeah, they're, I, I can't even begin to, I, I, okay, the, uh, that's the life for me is okay. Yeah. I cannot even begin to tell you what that Peach song, I can, like, I don't even remember the lyrics. I can't even remember the beat. Randy, Randy's written better, better, better songs and better things for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think we can all agree because, I remember you mentioned uh, just the score to the film was very w- was really great and was nominated. Yeah, for the score an Oscar. is good. I do like the score. I, I always enjoy when uh, Randy Newman scores movies, and he's done it quite a bit for Pixar and and different Disney animated films. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I, I I liked it. Man, when we get to Princess and the Frog, I'm gonna be so happy. Oh yeah, I, I feel that's like, my favorite Randy Newman. I stuff. feel yeah. Randy yeah. and Doctor John. Yeah. yeah. Oh hell yeah. Uh Randy Newman's strength um is when he does jazzy pieces. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I do like his music in Catstone Dance. Like a lot of the songs in there are really catchy oh, and Catstone Dance is so good. Yeah. But then and same with Princess and the Frog. When he does something more jazzy or it, it sounds really good. I just think this was not Well don't for don't forget his score to the natural. Oh, I haven't heard. Oh, you haven't? I haven't seen it. Oh, man. All right. Next up on (laughs) Candy Musings, we watch a live action movie that was not produced by Disney. (laughs) Yeah. The Natural. Let's break some conventions here. (laughs) Disney Plus Plus. (laughs) Thank you you for joining us. Thank you, Ben. You're always a delight. Oh, well, an absolute. Thank delight. you, thank you for having me. I, I, I'm always happy to to be here to talk about all things Disney. Where can we find you? Uh, Online. in my house. Online. <laughs> what kind of? Are there what any projects stuff? or anything you'd like to share with the rest of the class that you you want to steer them toward? I mean, if you want to check out some older stuff that I did, you can look at 2020 Gaming. That that was a show. A, a, a what's it a video game show that i did with my friend sean which was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. uh, or you can look at the revisionist podcast that i did with my friend ty and you guys were were on one of the last episodes i recorded yep, of that i remember that um but th- th- those there's a bunch of older older projects uh right now i'm working on a, a short film that'll hopefully come out soon mm-hmm. so excellent yeah but yeah. other than that you can look at me on on david's stuff or watch watch uh old stuff of midnight marinara and possibly some some new stuff coming yeah yeah, yeah. actually on the on the, the plus side with that i should make a little announcement uh we we thought long and hard about it and uh midnight marinara is coming back to youtube but through the creative horror network it's being uploaded on the cre- past episodes of that podcast are being re-uploaded on the uh, creative horror channel yeah boy so, 
So they'll be going there along with some select episodes of um, Undercooked Analysis, the other podcast I do on that network. And uh, all the episodes with me in them. Yes, all the episodes that ever. <laughs> Only had the Ben episodes. Ever. Yes, I hope. You, you, no, those, tell me those, the those have to stay here on Benview Network because that's in the name. <laughs> no, do, uh, please tell me that the the uh, the, uh, the silent the silent film. Uh, museum is gonna be be uploaded. <laughs> I think it will. We'll oh, see. I love. I love. It's still. Song. It's still there. Don't worry. It's yeah. still there in the podcast feed. But we'll just see if that if we can get it back on YouTube. That's yeah, that that's thing. actually what I want to plug. If you haven't listened to it, listen to the Silent Film Museum episode. That's one of my favorite things that uh, that we've all done together. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that one. All right. Well, thank you for listening and uh, join us a little later this uh, month. My, not even very long after this, when we talk about the. Hun- um. the, yep, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> I am. Oh God! <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So am I. I would look forward to it, but I won't be there. I'm sorry. <laughs> your appetite for terror and reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinara podcast is here for you, intrepid listener. We sample only the finest and sinister stories and, quoting them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as eerie audio dramas. Tune in as Midnight Marinara sends shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appetit. <laughs> This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.